How you doing out there? This is your pal Dane Alves with another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a weekly show in which me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews over the shows and pay-per-views uh, of said uh, wrestling organization. So we got a we got a big show today because we decided to wait a couple of days. And uh, some stuff happened, uh, apparently. But I couldn't do this show without me. Before we talk about, you know, wrestlers possibly going down to Florida, uh, not in the Orlando area, more in the Jacksonville area, uh, I want to introduce my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, man. Can't complain at all. I uh, am very excited to, to talk about possibly the two biggest free agent signings in my lifetime as far as wrestling goes. I guess it, unless you consider... Paul and Nash, but uh, some great shit to talk about on this show, for sure. Are you excited? I'm very excited, man, and, and let's kind of just get into it. We 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 talked about last week um, with Daniel Bryan and CM Punk looking like they were on coming and being a part of AEW. I mean, we can just say it now. It looks like that is definitely happening. Um, so it's all a matter of when. Uh, obviously, on Dynamite, we had the announcement that they're going to have their first episode, before All Out happens, they're going to have their first episode of Rampage, coincidentally, in Chicago, and that was followed up by Mr. Darby Allen, kind of making somewhat of a threat, saying that a lot of people consider themselves the best in the world, but they have to be in a certain place to prove it. Essentially that. Obviously, referring to CM Punk, Dan O'Brien, pretty much right now, is announced as 100% confirmed to be coming and most likely will be used at that stadium show in New York that they've almost sold out of um, at the end of September. So this is big stuff, but now I would say three possibilities specifically for AEW might be coming available, and we will kind of hit into the three of them. But before, you know, I, I think that we can officially say last time when we did the show, Chris, we weren't 100% sold. It was pretty much everyone was saying, you know, whether it be Brian Alvarez, Dave Metzler, you know, Sean Ross Sapp, that it wasn't 100% official, but it was pretty much official. Well, it looks like, especially CM Punk, it is 100% official. Um, and now we're about to expand beyond that. Uh, what do you have to say, you know, hearing that information that we're probably going to have CM Punk? And PW Insider let us know the information that WWE does not have the uh, the rights to Cult of Personality. CM Punk could be showing up to Cult of Personality in Chicago in a couple weeks on Rampage, and then Daniel Bryan, after All Out, could be showing up in New York, probably as Bryan Danielson, the American Dragon, coming out, I'm assuming, to the final countdown. Holy fuck, man. 
it's exciting as hell to to say the very very least. I mean, I when we first started the show, we still had rumors of CM Punk potentially coming back, and I was like, I don't know, man. Um, I guess this is a time where they can prove me wrong. He, he eventually wore out the money, which I didn't think was possible. Uh, and now CM Punk's coming back, which will be great for AEW. I think that's going to be a huge rating draw. And then, to me, more of the surprise signing was Daniel Bryan, just because I didn't see him going anywhere because of the uh, the deal he has with Total Bellas and, and some of the other things surrounding Daniel Bryan. I just always assumed they would try to keep him around, much like they do Edge. Um, but that's also not the case. So AEW's headed in up $1.1 million in the ratings this week with the potential of more Malachi or Alistair, uh, more Daniel Bryan and more CM Punk as big debuts that they have lined up. And then we have one more to talk about potentially a little later. Well, actually two, depending on what, <laughs> what AEW wants to Santa do. Rosa, who officially is signed also with AEW. Yeah, I mean, the roster is going to be pretty stacked, if they, especially if they end up getting all of these people, which there's a reason... You, I mean, you can make a reason for for any of these these cats. We're going to talk about it a little later, but um, yeah, dude, I, I don't know. It's crazy. Like I said, the only time I can remember this is probably, especially with someone like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, with Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. And during that time period, I wouldn't consider them as big as at least the overall world, as far as knowing who Daniel Bryan and CM Punk are. I think they're two of the biggest WWE guys, if not the biggest of the past. 12 years, let's say 2010 forward. Um, that to me, you, you can throw your Cena's in there, but they were probably the biggest stars. So it's a uh, it's a huge blow to WWE, even though it's being played off as maybe not one. Oh yeah, and I'm sure that they're not going to consider any of this as blows to them. But uh, that kind of goes into what Vince McMahon said at the last uh, conference call that he had at the. Uh, and someone asked him as part of a press about AEW, and his comments were, Chris, well, it certainly is not a situation where rising tides, because that was when Ted Turner was coming after us with all the Time Warner assets as well. That was a different situation. AEW is where they are. I don't really know what their plans are. All I know is that what our plans are. I don't consider them competition in the way that I would consider WCW back in the day, not anywhere near close to that. And I'm not so sure what their investments are as far as talent is concerned, but perhaps we can give them some more. Well, (laughs) that's a nice way to say uh, a statement um, for your roster to really go behind, uh, you know, and, and be happy with. Uh, and Mr. Nick Khan, the evil Khan, Khan, not Tony Khan, the good Khan, uh, kind of is, uh, still cutting the fat when it comes to, uh, you know, getting, uh, them not in the negative, if you will, like at all in the red, just trying to make sure that they keep that budget down. Before I go into the person they decided to take out of the, uh, situation involving that budget, uh, that we had original rumors was actually himself that decided to do it, and then, you know, came in. Actually, that's not the case. He was cut due to budgets. What the fuck, man? Like, like, if you were working for Vince, especially if, like, you're not one of the top-tier guys, 
if you're at NXT, too, since he obviously doesn't give a shit about them, what does that statement say to you as far as your leader and how much he gives a shit about you as a fucking personality or a wrestler or someone to bring anything towards his product? I mean, it seems like he's uh, – the answer, answer the question you just posed me with, which is a hard one to answer without going into who it is. Uh, it seems like maybe that person doesn't see you as an actual superstar on their television product, which we've kind of thought for a while, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, we are talking about Bray Wyatt and the news about finding out that he was let go from the company and then finding out later information. I thought, we ta- I thought we were talking about someone else that's uh, also not under contract or will soon not be under contract, so I'm confusing the two, but with Bray Wyatt, yeah. We're, we're, we're going in order from person to person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, the, the, the bigger one to, to me... Saturday before we can get to Monday, broski, remember? <laughs> yeah, I guess. The bigger one to me was not Bray Wyatt, but that's maybe just because I'm not the biggest Bray Wyatt fan. Well, anyways... Uh... So that's that's where I was basically pitching it to was the fact that Bray Wyatt was let go Saturday. Apparently, Nick Khan, like I said, wanted to keep things out of the red, uh, so he decided to cut one of the bigger contracts they have. Uh, Bray, as the fiend and all the merch related to him, is still one of their top merch sellers, but they basically have pivoted the character to Alexa Bliss, and uh, that was it. Uh, apparently, you know, what was once reported that he was going through some mental issues and stuff like that, along with, you know, the passing of one of his best friends, John Huber, AKA Brody Lee. Um, that actually was not the case. He was actually in great entering uh, shape and was about to make his comeback back onto raw. Uh, when they abruptly told him it was budget cuts. Uh, John Laurinaitis gave him a phone call. Everything has been confirmed and uh, quite a few wrestlers, we're not happy uh, with this decision. Mick Foley said, with WWE's release of Bray Wyatt, the company has lost a true visionary and creative genius, uh, one of the most innovative makers of mayhem pro wrestling has ever seen. There's hopes Bray finds happiness and recreates himself once again in wrestling and life and both. I know Bray has been struggling personally for a while, and I'm, placing, I'm not placing any blames on anyone for the release. I just want to acknowledge his greatness and hope he does what's needed to come back to wrestling when he's ready and entertain us the way he can, the way he only can. Um, and the other comment I kind of want to go over because obviously there's still sour grapes. And I don't blame uh, the reasoning of why uh, was from Mickey James Aldis, who said, I think what you meant to Oh, well, WWC, they've, they've come in terms to the release of Bray Wyatt. We wish him the best in his future endeavors. The, the normal thing that you would, you would hear, Chris. And she said, I think what you meant to say was, thank you so much for coming up with such an incredible gimmick time and time again. One uh, so cool and over, we really didn't know how to book it right. So we just gave it to someone else so we can still make all the money off of it and let you go. Um. Yeah, I don't think Mickey's pulling punches, bro. Uh, Bray Wyatt is no longer with WWE. He's got uh, three months, coincidentally, on the 31st of October, which is on a Sunday, I believe. Uh, he's officially up and can work with another organization. Uh, 
initial thoughts. I didn't expect this, but I also didn't necessarily love the direction they were going in with Bray Wyatt. So for him, this may work out to his benefit. Um, I mean, either AEW or New Japan, I think, are both great, like great landing spots for what he can be, regardless of how he recreates the character. He is great in that aspect, and those the the two companies they don't have anything like Bray Wyatt. I don't not not necessarily his in ring presence, but some of the stuff that he like Mickey James was saying, being original and coming up with some creative ideas, and also I think he's a very good promo when he doesn't get if you don't try to make it too wordy, which. I'm assuming that some of his stuff probably got rewrites, et cetera, in WWE. Uh, he has a great delivery, and, and you kind of believe whatever he's trying to convey to you. So uh, as far as Bray Wyatt getting released from WWE, it's just weird when they're trying to um, – I don't know. They've been trying for, let's say, the past year and a half to hold as many people hostage as, as possible, and they're letting some of these big fish go. And it just kind of points to what was reported, I guess, was two weeks ago or three weeks ago when we were talking about it, which is WWE might be trying to just sell the the whole enchilada, which if you're trying to sell, don't, like, get rid of people who are really good under contract, but that maybe is a different story. I'm just fascinated about uh, what can happen next, and I love both your areas uh, where you said to go because those are, those are the two areas I would say to go. And with this kind of, you know, the way the landscape is outside of WWE, everyone, aside from Ring of Honor, essentially is kind of working together and kind of creating contracts allowing these talents to move from place to place. But I think that, and we both have been uh, critical on his in-ring skills. I don't think that there's really that many matches I would consider a great Bray and ring match, but maybe it's not about that so much. But what he can provide is, I think, some great character development, um, not even including him, just a creative guy behind the scenes, you know. And I don't think that if he was in, say, AEW, uh, which would make a lot of sense, he seems like a big presence they can do stuff with at there. And no, I'm sorry for all the marks that want him to take over the Dark Order, I don't want to see that. So I'm just going to put that out there um, first. But it just seems like he, he'll he be free. He can go completely horror. You know, I think a lot of the direction of – I, from what I've heard, the fun the fun house was supposed to be like a set show. It wasn't supposed to be in this mysterious location, and it was like a split personality. You would see this type of character – and then the fiend would come out, and he would be more of like this guy that what he was doing at first, murdering legends, and then them being gone. You know, Jerry Lawler is still gone from that whole entire incident. I think he showed up on a couple pre-shows since then, but that's about it. But you know, if you had the situation where certain people, maybe it's like smaller guys like a, a, a Nakazawa, all of a sudden is taken out, or you see in the background something happened very. Cl- if, if if you did see it, you saw it. If you didn't, you didn't and people are disappearing, and then he shows up in whatever way. The question is, though, does Bray own The Fiend? I, I saw the band that's done his entrance say, hey, wherever you go next, we're here for you. You know, I forgot what the name is. Code Orange, I think. Um, but does he own the rights for The, the Fiend? Does he, does he call himself Bray Wyatt? I mean, you would think that that would not be a big deal, but – 
his real name is like what Wyndham Rotunda. Like that doesn't have as much oomph as a Bray Wyatt. I'm sure he can figure it out, but you know, if he wants to work with Tom Savini, I don't think that's going to be questioned or probably micromanaged. I think they'll have free reign to do that in some place like New Japan or AEW. If he wants to bring in Rob Zombie to help him with, you know, if they want to do some type of recreation of the Wyatt family, you have Eric Rowan and and Braun Strowman there if you want to do something. The craziest thing, passing it back to you and creatively what Bray Wyatt could do somewhere else, every member of the Wyatt family is no longer with WWE, especially, obviously, uh, John Huber, who passed away. But Eric, Bray, Daniel Bryan, fucking uh, Luke, uh, Braun, all of them. And uh, I don't know if this will influence Braun coming back to WWE because they're, they're best friends. So, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird situation. And it's about to get crazier with the next two people we're going to talk about. But what do you think about the potential of Bray Wyatt? Un, we've, we've talked about this. If he didn't have WWE kind of enforcing certain things or, like you said, scripting his promos a certain way to make them like the Ultimate Warriors, like what, what can Bray do? And can he be called Bray, Chris? I, I don't know if he can be called Bray or not because I'm not sure what the copyrights are on that. I'm assuming that it's copywritten because they had already given him a name because he was Husky Harris before, right? Yeah. So I'm assuming the WWE gave him a different name other than Husky Harris before the Bray Wyatt character was created. And a lot of his ideas are going to be stolen because I'm sure that's wrapped up under whatever contract they had with him at the time. It's, it is WWE we're talking about. But he just needs to be a menacing guy. And my biggest thing is don't rush this revival of the Wyatt family immediately. Make this guy a person that people would want to follow. Maybe have him, I don't want to say kill some people, but kill some people, at least in the ring. Give us a reason to actually care about him a little bit. And then if you want to build into the Wyatt family or the Dark Order, etc., like if he's going to show up and feud with Hangman Page, for instance make it mean something more than anything else. Uh, The caveat to that would be like if he went to New Japan, I just think there's no no one there that's like what his character is. I mean, I guess you could say evil a little bit, but Bray coming in as a guy gene, that could be something huge that they don't have. And while he's not going to have, he's not going to have a Tanahashi Okada match, you could have a really good match with that guy in the Japanese style and in that character make a lot of sense. So there's a lot of exciting things for Bray Wyatt. It just kind of is uh, more shocking than anything else that they would yeah. end up letting him go with Braun. I mean, I feel like he's going to go to whoever is going to play, pay him close to what he was going to make, which was $1 million this year. It's just nuts. And yeah, I agree. Keep the Wyatt family aspect. He doesn't need a cult. He doesn't need if you if you want to do that, like you said, kind of have that go into that direction. But I don't even know necessarily based on the fiend if they need to go in a cult leader direction. I kind of want him to be like a a solo non speak like kind of do stuff that the fiend was gonna do or what he wanted to do in his mind with that character. Obviously under a new alias uh, because you know I, I don't think that he has the rights for either, but. Also, no Dark Order, and keep him away from fucking Malachi Black. Do not position them together. 
because of the demon demon. You can do that way later on if they have built themselves on the product, and that can be established at a big pay-per-view. But don't – these seem – if he does come, I should say, these seem like the two mystic characters that you really don't want to cross paths anytime soon. So I would kind of adhere to all those things. I, I agree with you, and, and we've said this multiple times specifically about WWE. Don't necessarily you don't have to put the mystical characters together because they're mystical. Um, maybe draw that out and make it important. And I think the same would hold true here. Uh, but you know, if Bray Wyatt does come in, there's no reason why you couldn't put him under the wing of like Dustin or I don't know, make him the cowboy killer. Maybe he goes after uh, Lance, like not Lance Archer, but. Um, Adam Page, the hangman or something, and then give him a reason to snap to whatever new character he's going to come up with. I think there's a lot of interesting ways to handle what that character is and, and who Bray Wyatt is in general, because you got to remember, it's like Mike Rotunda. There's a lot of uh, family lineage, lineage there that you can build off of within that company because they have a lot of that. So... You don't necessarily have to bring him in and have him snap immediately and have a family. I would I would maybe build it a little slower, especially because it's going to be overshadowed by whatever the hell Punk and Bryan is doing anyways. And I don't mean that in a dick way, but if you're bringing in Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, and then you're going to get, you know, Wyatt 90 days from now, you're going to be in the middle of whatever Bryan and Punk are doing storyline-wise. That's very true. I would say maybe position him. I know that Bray's talked about it a bunch of times. He's always wanted to work with Sting. Now, obviously, I don't think he thought that was ever accessible. But now, and I'm not saying a match-wise, but maybe another person for Darby Allen to kind of go at. What if what if Bray Wyatt attacked Sting and buried his ass alive, or that was implied to get under Darby's skin? You take Sting off screen for like a month or so. He can he can get himself out of the thing. You understand what I'm saying, though. You can do some really seriously fucked up shit with this character, and it's not going to be restrained by the wannabe Disney concept that is WWE. So it's it's very interesting, uh, just nonetheless. And I don't know, man. It's it's uh, the the thing is. Okay, so someone someone said it, and I kind of I looked it up. I mean, if he was fired i think they said the day previous to the what they released the information was he was let go that would mean chris that halloween on the 31st which is on a sunday would be the first available day that he could show up on something if you are aw and you sign bray wyatt regardless of the name do you have maybe one of your tnt clash of the champions on halloween theme it don't say anything about him coming and he crashes the fucking party is that something maybe of an idea of what they could do if they were to get uh, Bray Wyatt? Would you do that, or would you, I don't, save it knowing that you have CM Punk and both Daniel Bryan coming in right before? So we're talking end of August and beginning of September, probably, for those two. I, maybe you do a vignette or something you release on Twitter to build up whatever that is. But like I said, I, I feel like he's going to be overshadowed because I think the other two signings are bigger than, than Bray Wyatt, even though he was more heavily featured recently on WWE TV. I don't, I, I, I think, you know, if you're talking about October 31st, which is a couple of months from now, I don't know why you couldn't have all three of them in the process. 
you know, if you have them all established in separate programs, all you're building is more powerful programs that will get more viewers, I would think, in three separate realms. And you let Punk and, you know, Daniel Bryan establish them throughout, you know, it's, if, in two more weeks, Punk's going to show up. That's obviously going to bring to Chicago. Who knows if he's going against Kenny Omega for the title? That's a rumor. Daniel Bryan shows up at the end of September. And then at the end of October, you have this guy show up. And we're going to talk about another person that could show up on the next show that's not necessarily or not anymore a wrestler, but still could provide a lot of intrigue. And I don't think would get overshadowed necessarily by Punk and Daniel Bryan, I think could provide more as a whole over the, 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 the entire product, basically. Well, with Bray, I guess it just depends on if you want him to come straight in as like a fiend-esque character, which is what people would expect on Halloween. So I, it just depends on what storyline they're going to put him in. I can another, see it either way on that another one. Another thing that's interesting with them working with all the other companies is Bray could be trying out his different characters and a new vision of them on different products if he wanted to. You know, he could show up on NWA to do something like that. He could literally become a split personality disorder, like uh, like the movie Split, you know, where, where James McAvoy's bald and he's very angry, uh, very evil, like Dan Housen. Um, but, yeah. Should we move on to Ric Flair? <laughs> no, he's very evil and he's very nice. No, I, I get what you're saying. I, I don't know. I mean, does... The thing about having that kind of character is if you're going to be multiple places, what does that mean for the company that's actually going to be paying you at the end of the day? And, and what does that mean for them? Like if I'm AEW, I protect the hell out of them, maybe put them against Lance Archer in December. Ooh, what about what about what if Jake betrays Lance Archer to reveal his new student? Which would be great. Not that that he needs the promo, but putting those two together, maybe not the worst idea, and it gives Jake something to do as well if you're going to be paying the guy. But, uh, yeah, I thought about that as well. No shit. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny. (laughs) He just comes to the ring once in a while and has a panic attack trying to hold back Lance Archer in interviews now. Yeah, I have a feeling that um, Bray and Jake could come up with something creepy to put out there. Yeah, but I, it's, I it's interesting, man. It's, it, to me, it's like it doesn't have to be that, though. You could build Rotunda as a different person before you snap back there. I guess it just depends on what – to me, it just depends on what you're doing with Cody, Daniel, um, Punk, Paige. They have a lot of moving parts, like like uh, Omega. Like, what are you going to do? Because it's coming in October, so your big show would be January. Yeah, February before Mania, right? So what are you going to build to then? And maybe Chris Jericho is that guy? Or Bray's a demon that comes from the past? Or I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you could do, but it's just like, I feel like um, Bray, unfortunately, will be overshadowed by some of these other storylines that are going to happen. Well, speaking about a person that can overshadow anything that we were kind of referencing, uh, today, uh, information and... This kind of might coincide with the other information, uh, you know, but of the other person that we're going to be talking about last, uh, but Ric Flair, man, uh, apparently asked for his release from WWE, uh, called up Vince, said he was sick of doing absolutely nothing. He didn't like how he was treated. 
uh, specifically with the Lacey Evans stuff. He's actually told that out loud, I think on Connor and Ed's uh, podcast that he did with them not too long ago, was not a fan of what happened with him and Randy Orton, thought they were a really good duo. Neither one of them wanted to split. And just the way that, along with Big Show, Mark Henry, all of them, uh, Flair was treated, you know, Rick understands his daughter is doing her thing. She's one of the biggest stars they have. They would be stupid to piss her off. But Rick's going to do what Rick wants to do, and he wants to end, I think, his career the way that he wants to end it. And I think there's still a lot left in him, man. Um, to me, Rick should do possibly what Bobby Heenan did and become an all-star manager with a great group of people, but start off maybe with just one person. Now, we know that his uh, future uh, son-in-law is obviously made uh, his appearance recently, uh, Andrade Cienamas, but now Andrade El Idolo. Um, so there is that, and it would make a lot of sense, but the fact that they introduced Chavo, Rick Flair can do whatever the fuck he wants. Rick Flair can come in and become part of the pinnacle if he wants to, try to train this new four horsemen group, you know, go for that if you want to immediately. He could come out and say, hey, I'm Ric Flair, I'm here to show the newest investment for AEW, a foreign uh, monster of a wrestler and someone that has beaten your champion. And then Okada's music comes out, and he's the fucking, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the vocal manager for Okada during Okada coming over here. Just just example of stuff. We know that Tanahashi and John Moxley apparently are going to have a match at All Out. That's a big rumor, and all this stuff is building up with them. Possibly a three-way with Lance Archer for the U.S. belt at AEW in America. So we know their relationship's expanding between New Japan and AEW, but I think he does go to AEW. I think he'll be treated well there. He can do commentary. He can be an agent. He can provide storylines for many people. Even if he, and we're going to talk about Adam Cole, if Adam Cole shows up and he's fucking Adam Cole's mouthpiece, like this is a guy that I brought over here to kick all of your asses. He's going after the Young Bucks and Kenny for what they did to him. Blah, blah, blah. And Adam Cole, they're more of like a Bach Winkle fucking, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, where, where, where Flair will be having to talk for Andrade and Okada. Maybe him and Adam Cole would be more like Bobby and, and, and Bachwinkle, where they both are just great on the mic and a great package. But Flair can do so many things, and really, he's never, just like Sting, to me, been a WWE guy. It just makes sense to see Flair show up on AEW television on TNT again. It just seems like it's destined. And if Vince ain't doing shit with him, I would love to see the legend strut his stuff over in Jacksonville or wherever the fuck AEW is. Chris, what do you think? I mean, Vince was doing something with him until Lacey Evans got pregnant. <laughs> and then Vince was like, how do we write her off TV? I guess, woo! No, I'm kidding. Um... Man, this is a great question. Ric Flair is good wherever you put him, right? He's just that guy. You have Arn Anderson there. You have Tully. Um, you could move him to the pinnacle, like you were saying. You could, you could, you could move him into a situation where he's trying to convince Cody to be his protege. Maybe turn Cody Hill. There's, you know, him versus Sting. Maybe he's bringing someone in. Um, there's him and Andrade, which is his stepson. Like, could you imagine if Rick shows up 
after all is said and done and just uh, cuts a, a promo in Spanish. That's the very first thing he does <laughs> instead of an English promo. Like all the music hits, he comes down, he picks up the mic. Everybody's expecting like this huge flare promo, and he just cuts like a, a limousine ride and jet flying promo, but in Spanish, and then points at Andrade, and they leave. Like there's a lot of stuff you could do with Ric Flair, <laughs> and also you still have Sting there, so you can always go back to whoever you put Flair with, Sting and Flair. Yeah, you, you kind of get a rematch, but not a rematch kind of thing. I mean, there's just so much you could do with this guy, and. Uh, him asking for his release says a lot. I wonder if this brings back up the lawsuit of the man versus the man, <laughs> Becky Lynch versus Flair in court. And uh, if not, how many NDAs did <laughs> Ric Flair sign? Because that was a huge deal until he got that legend contract. Yeah, that's very, very true. He wasn't happy with that at all. And, you know, he even said it had nothing to do with uh, Becky, but the fact that they were using that as a strategic way to place a name for her, it came out of his old saying. And I don't, you know, I believe, because I've heard him, he wasn't happy with the whole Lacey Evans thing and where that was going. And obviously that was abruptly ended, like you said, by her being pregnant, which I'm I'm wondering if they were like, Rick, can, you should be the father in storyline. He was like, no, no, it's not fucking happening. You know, and I know he hated the stuff that happened at the end of him and Randy Orton's run when he was his manager. And I just don't think that they've ever considered him to the same level as other people within that company. And Rick's a legend and he deserves better. So if you don't want, if you want to fucking put him with any fucking one, it does not matter. But the fact that we can get Ric Flair possibly, you know, with verbal skills against maybe an MJF or whoever, you know, on that show, it doesn't matter. He'll add so much more to it, and it's very, very telling. And I remember sending you the picture, you know, a week ago. <laughs> he was in Florida, in Jacksonville, hanging out with Jim Ross, you know, and just enjoying themselves. So, uh, you know, Jim Ross is known in the past of being a, a talent scout person. And I wonder if he put the idea in Flair's head, you know, and that's that's what led to this. But, uh Holy shit, dude. I want to see Ric Flair. I don't know. I, I don't care, man. I just want to see Ric Flair on television being Ric Flair. Yeah, and I mean, like I, like I said, I think he could sneak up on the pinnacle and become the manager for MJF and put him under his mentorship. The only worry about that is they've done that before in multiple companies with AJ Styles and The Miz, and I'm trying to remember who else Ric Flair has mentored over the years. It just doesn't ever work. But, I mean, there's just so many and, stories they could tell. So many with Ric Flair. I mean, I, I don't know what his non-compete looks like, but it's interesting to say the least. Like, to me, Cody... I don't know if he has guy, one. I, he has to have some sort of... I'm assuming he has to have some... some I mean, as hard well, as they... Contract. He didn't get let go by them. He asked to be released, and they released him from his contract. So I'm not 100% sure, but, yeah, Cody makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, dude, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. Just The fact that they're zoning in on the TNT-TBS relationship with wrestling, that before in the past they've had the Rock and Roll Express. They've had 
people that Ric Flair was associated with that wasn't WWF at all or WWE. You know, this just them having Arn available, they, them having all these members that he's been familiar with uh, within the the his legendary career. It just it's cool. And yeah, if you if you pull in someone, if he's going to represent Andrade, that's a, that's a cool aspect. Cody, the Pinnacle. If you bring in, like I said, someone like a Kazuchika Okada for just a run, and he represents him, or you know who we're about to talk about, there's just so much potential for Rick to bring so much value to wherever he is in a storyline. I would say, and for them to give Rick a little bit of the wheel as well, you know, like. WWE is always worried that Rick's going to say something off color. I mean, they've had those video game conferences in the past and stuff with him and Stone Cold where they really try to dial back who Ric Flair is, which, I mean, to some extent, that's probably not a bad thing. But this is a show where uh, Jake the Snake snake humped someone. Remember? <laughs> that was right that the was, actual uh, that was thing. So. Uh, letting Ric Flair maybe say some off-color stuff is is not too crazy or too obscene, depending on what they do. But giving Rick free reign on the mic and having him try to put someone over sounds incredible to me. I guess we'll see, you know, how it pans out. It'd be hilarious if he just shows up in Ring of Honor and promo battles Jay Lethal. Oh God, if we got to see that beforehand, that would be awesome. I'd love that. But no, no, all joking aside, I mean. Rick is, he's headed to AEW, right? And if anything, Charlotte is probably sending him there to help Andrade, would be my guess. And he seems or to scout Andrade. Hey, check out, check it out how it's over there. See what's, see what the competition's like, Dad. <laughs> I guess we'll see what happens if Flair shows up and starts uh, only cutting Spanish promos <laughs> as a heel. Well, no. He's, but, I mean, Flair's I, everyone's talking. We're all talking about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and uh, Aleister Black, etc. In the wrestling world, but Flair's a bigger deal. He really is. I mean, he's he's gonna he's gonna draw more people than you would think, especially if you're trying to take away from WWE's audience, etc. The over was it 38 or 48 crowd? That's gonna be Ric Flair people. Ric Flair is also in every sport. They do a woo goal celebration now. It seems like. I mean, the New Jersey Devils do one. There, there's a bunch across all sports. He, he's cross multi, multimedia in such a way because Flair's Flair. That I, w- I would say that he's probably the second biggest wrestler of all time, as far as the entire world goes, um, with the exception of The Rock, as far as name value and, and who people know, uh, and, and then Hogan would be followed closely or following closely and, and probably a Noki if you're talking about the entire world but that's I don't know that's my thought on that one so like if you can get Ric Flair for cheap or whatever the hell WWE was paying him and actually utilize him it sucks to be WWE but once again I'm not 100% convinced that they're not selling that company so maybe Triple H was like get out while you can bud well that's a good transition to the last person we're going to be talking about because I'm wondering if he's going to tell this person, the same thing. So we found out, and this was reported by Wrestling Inc. Earlier this week, they, Raj Geary on one of the shows said that he had information of a big wrestling or a big uh, wrestler from NXT that's contract 
was going to be up soon, and it looks like that person is Adam Cole, baby. And, uh, hey, man, uh, they get a 30-day non-compete. That's what the NXT uh, contracts are like compared to – that's how Aleister Black, a.k.a. Malachi Black, was able to get into NXT or into AEW so quickly because they still had him a part of that old contract. So I don't know they I don't think it's been established when, but soon Adam Cole will have thirty days if he wants to go somewhere else. And here's the question, Chris. Why the fuck should he stay in NXT? And do you think even Hunter at this point is telling him and, and I mean I'm sure he wants the talent there because he's a popular character on that show. But if I'm Hunter and I've seen Adam Cole and what Sean and him have put into him and tried to bring him up. And obviously we know, even though they popped such a huge rating when they were held up in um, Saudi Arabia and it was right near Survivor Series and Triple H came up with the idea of, like, let's do it three-way and we'll have NXT invade. And they did a big number on that in Raw and Adam Cole had big matches on both of those wrestling events. Survivor Series itself didn't do as well as planned. So Vince soured on NXT. We're seeing what happened with a lot of the wrestlers that are actually, quote-unquote, Vince guys, uh, whether it be a huge motherfucker like Keith Lee or a huge dude like Karrion Cross. you know, what they're doing with them in actuality. You have Adam Cole that's already had the championship two times. He's had the championship, I think, the longest or had, like, a, at least over I, almost a year, uh, you know, with that title. He's done everything. He he literally has won the tag title. He's tag titles. He's won the North American belt. He's won the NXT championship twice. Like, what is there more for Adam Cole to do? He's got good friends in the Young Bucks and a lot of the creative people over in AEW. His wife is the is the woman's champion. Like, there's so much storyline with Adam Cole showing up if he wants to go after the Bucks. Because remember, in storyline, they basically, you know, kicked him out of the Bullet Club, and Kenny told him to leave him for dead, and then he showed up on NXT. So they could go back into was, that if they want to. I was going to say, isn't he dead? And being the elite storyline, Adam Cole no longer exists. <laughs> yeah, they basically took him out and killed him, is what was insinuated. So, I mean, you could go if you want to in that direction, but... Talk about if they get him, to me, I and the thing about Adam Cole is he's such a cool heel. You know, he has that 97 Shawn Michaels run in him where he can be a complete dick and even go after the fans a little bit, but they still like him because he's Adam Cole, unlike MJF. But if they have Adam Cole, I mean, that's that's two of my favorite heels in the industry. And one of the best talkers. And they also have Eddie Kingston. And they also have, you know, this person and that person and that person. It's like, my lord. And yes, I'm sorry. If you have a chance to get Adam Cole, Ric Flair, Bray Wyatt, uh, Brian Danielson, CM Punk, tell Fuego Del Sol to go back to fucking dark and get better at his craft. And people like that can move aside for some of these bigger wrestling names that will overall build your fucking product and your audience. So, yes, I would take Adam Cole because, like Malachi Black, I think that audience 
will treat him to the level in which I think he should be treated, regardless of his size, since he's the same fucking size as Shawn Michaels. You know, the perception, the negative size perception that Vince has, this is one of the best people, bell to bell, making matches, on the mic. Dude, I'm saying, if I was Triple H, I would tell, I would say, man, I go, fucking, what else are you going to do here? Like, what do you do in that situation, Chris? Well, if you're Triple H, you figure out a way to get him more money, first and foremost, and, and <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to call my dad and see if we can get you a little bit more money. Just just calm down a little bit, okay? <laughs> give, you, give you some of my stocks. i got to figure out a way to make this happen. I, I don't know, Adam Cole leaving that product, even though he's not been, I almost said, not heavily featured the past month or so, but he's a huge part of that. What is the remaining NXT people that I would consider over? Yeah, it's like him, Tommaso Ciampa. They lost Gar- Finn. Karrion Cross is going at some point. Uh, Gargano. Samoa Joe's now back, and we'll talk about him next. But you're in, and you 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 downgraded Austin Theory, who was going to be your new guy. Same thing with uh, Velveteen Dream. Like you dropped off a lot of your top talent, and you're trying to refill it. While moving people to the main roster, it's just if if you're Triple H, you're like, uh, how much money do you have to pay you just stick around just in case? Unless you know something that the public doesn't know, like if the company's going to sell. But he, he, here's even that. So that's an argument that that's been made on all of these. Is like this seems like, and it, it's been going on for a while, right? With some of the layoffs and Nick Khan being known for this in previous companies, which is trying to make a sell of the company. If you're buying WWE, is the company better today than it was five days ago, Dane? Where you had people like Flair and Bray Wyatt under contract? Dude, I'm telling you, I think it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. And this, to me, if you didn't want to have Flair show up and put these two guys together, they're going to fucking kill it. Uh, you know, Flair comes out, makes this big speech about how he was treated, not going into details, obviously, but taking a couple shots and who the fuck he is, and he's going to run this place, and then introduces an Adam Cole, uh, or Adam Cole just showing up by himself and just cutting a fucking promo. You know, I'm just saying there's a lot that they could do with him. The question, and I think I know the answer, what do you think, if Adam Cole stays in NXT, do you think it would be quicker for him to win the one of the either the uh, the universal title or the WWE World Title, or if he leaves AEW, possibly getting the AEW title? Which one's more possible? Him winning the top title in WWE or AEW? WWE, because what I would assume with if they gave him an ultimatum, I'm assuming that he would go against Samoa Joe. No, I'm not talking NXT, bro. I'm talking about the top WWE title. Well, give me a second to explain. I would assume they would continue to put him up in NXT. He beats Samoa Joe, then he maybe wins at the Rumble, that they give him a run. Because that's the kind of run I'm assuming he's going to be looking for on the main roster. Uh, I, I don't see that. I don't see it either, but I mean, if you're going to use him, you're going to promise him a title. Um, 
Well, that's a possibility. I just think it's more possible in his career to actually have the AEW title at one time than any of the WWE titles. But is it, though? Or do you eventually want to push people like Jungle Boy and, and Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy, people that are younger than Adam Cole? Or I'm sorry, I said Adam Cole, but Jungle Boy and, and Orange Cassidy and Darby Allen, MJF, people that are younger than he is, especially if you're bringing in two old hosses like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk, like where does that leave someone like an Adam Cole and where do you fit them in on your roster and you're trying to build new talent? Do you, it, it, there's not just like three storylines going on in AEW, Chris. You can put people in different spots. you got to fill up what? three hours of television, you know what I'm saying? So there's I mean, I guess, the programs like there always is. And sometimes they pick really stupid people to be a part of those programs instead of people that would probably be a better person suited for that situation, I would think. No, I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I'm not saying the AEW won't be able to figure out Adam Cole, but you're giving me the option. I don't know. I feel like Triple H would get the belt on him at some point, especially if they don't sell the company. Um, it is a little telling that he, to me, it sounds like he's holding out for more money because I guess his contract is already up, but he signed a paid, ex- basically he's paid up until SummerSlam, but the, his actual contract contract is up. So this is some kind of new deal that they shuffled out somehow because that came out before the SummerSlam stuff. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, if you're Adam Cole, do you think do you think that's the spot? And it, even if it is, if he goes to AEW, what does that mean for some of his uh, really good friends? Like, I don't know, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, when their shit runs up in a year? Yeah, well, you know, that's the whole thing, man, is an evaluation of Vince's statements, where you see the company going. Get out as soon as you fucking can to go to something else. Or you can work for multiple organizations and probably the second building, you know, biggest wrestling organization next to WWE. Obviously, we haven't gotten that level of, you know, uh, ratings, but it's it's getting close to Raw, which is doesn't seem like it would be too hard to do. And you add in new star power, uh, I'd, I don't think that Triple H would even be able to get Adam Cole a title run. I really don't. I think that Vince is going to be in his ways. And that's just not going to fucking happen. Um, but I think that he'd want him to stay in NXT. I, if I've done everything I can do, and there's a chance I'm going to get buried worse than guys three times bigger than me on the main product, I don't know if I'm going to stick around for that, especially if my leader is saying, fuck them, we'll give them more people over at the other products. You know? <laughs> that means I might be, all right, I'm out. I got to go. This is a good time. My if wife's company's. If these companies are all working together and, you know, you have Daniel Bryan and CM Punk coming in to AEW and potentially Bray, would Adam Cole, even if he's signed by AEW, make sense to be a full-time Impact guy and be beat Kenny for the Impact title? Because they need somebody there to do it. That's another – that would... I think, well, now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like he would go back home to Ring of Honor before you go to Impact, but I like what you're saying. I, I get what you're saying. Maybe he can be that person that makes Ring of Honor a little more opened with their po- door, open door, po- or their closed door policy, I should say. 
Yeah, and and the other thing is like he could still be being paid by AEW, right? Yeah, like you can work you can work things out with that deal where it makes sense. I would assume if they're if they're really trading talent, like yes, he's on your TV and doing this character, but you're also getting him for free to do this with, and then we're going to give you a couple of these guys, like they give him Sammy Guevara or something for next division match, which would be really great. Uh, like Sammy Guevara versus Ace Austin. Like, that's awesome. Yeah. Obviously, Adam Cole's probably a little bit bigger of a talent, but you could do something like that, and you could tie him to being the elite. And There's definitely things you could do with him. It's just, man, they're bringing in... If you really bring in everyone that just was released, which they would be smart to do, because they're all what I would consider in the top 20 known wrestlers, even just for the average fan of people, like... You're talking about Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, and uh, Bray Wyatt, or The Fiend. Like That's a bigger deal than whatever they're going to do, and they still have to try to get over their young talent and keep all of that going. That's a lot of moving parts. But if you could bring someone like Adam Cole in to be the guy to take the Impact title off uh, Kenny Omega, maybe that makes a lot of sense. Even if you're paying him um, to do it and, and be on their product, I, I just don't know if they could work that out contract-wise. He could even be a part of Bullet Club. Like, Jay White's like, we have a, a new member that was an old member to go against you guys, and then they reveal Adam Cole, and he goes right after fucking Kenny and just starts beating the shit out of him. You know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen, but it's all about what will happen. All I know is that, man, these these three, for different reasons, obviously, are very interesting of the potential of where they can go and what they can provide, just like we've said, whether it be a Thunder Rosa, whether it be a Malachi Black, whether it be a Daniel Bryan or CM Punk, at different levels, what they could bring towards AEW in general if AEW were to go with them. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 crazy, man. Um, do, you, do you feel a little bad? Do you feel a little bad for Malachi Black, who's He's got till August 20th, and then it's going to be CM Punk time, and that's all people are going to talk about. A little bit, but I think that you can keep him still a part of a high-profile feud that, you know, it's going to be hard. Like you I mean, it, it makes sense what you are saying beforehand. It's going to be hard seeing him as a champion anytime soon since there's so many options, but building him as a character, doing other stuff, the North American – not the North American title, the TNT title, you know – I think he'll be fine, but yeah, I mean, once CM Punk's there, maybe Malachi should go and take his ass out after Cody, because I think he's going to take out Cody, and Cody's going to be gone filming that one show, because they're, they're having the match this week. In two days, we're going to see Malachi Black versus Cody, so I'm assuming Cody's going to be taken off television like Brody Lee did last year around this time. He's going to be gone filming, come back, maybe at All Out, but maybe you set Malachi Black in the direction against CM Punk if they don't decide at what it seemed like they were hinting at with Darby Allen calling out CM Punk. So I don't know. I think you can still keep him in the mix is what I'm saying. But, yeah, it it's definitely overshines that. Yeah, I, I think my last comments about this would be Daniel Bryan is the most important signing of these. I think CM Punk's going to move the dial the most. But Daniel Bryan someone that you can have three matches with Kenny Omega, and that make a lot of sense 
and a lot of people really, really love that from both sides of the the ocean, so to speak. But there should be some good matches. Punk and Omega will be fun, but I, I think the big one is they're bringing in the American Dragon for Omega at some point down the line, and those are the matches I'm probably the most excited about. Well, what about wrapping up for these three specific people with Ric Flair, Adam Cole, and Bray Wyatt? Oh, Adam Cole would be I, I would be next, especially if they do something with Impact. Sorry, I thought we were including all of them. Um, yeah, no, a- Adam Cole. I guess if I had to pick one, either that or if they if they let Ric Flair be Ric Flair and he's with Andrade, I, I feel like Andrade is great. And him with Ric Flair, would be, he would be Ric Flair would be a great manager. We'll have to wait and see, though. But I'm I'm looking forward to the future. This is going to be a very interesting next remainder of the year for AEW going into next year. Um, so only time will tell. Let's uh let's talk about someone that decided to go back to NXT when Triple H reportedly was furious that they let him go and approached him and got him to come back to NXT. But the good news uh, on the newest episode of NXT, Samoa Joe uh, got William Regal, had every form ready for him, <laughs> it seemed like, in the contract signing. But now Samoa Joe is not a enforcer. He no longer has that title. He is an active wrestler. And at this takeover that's coming up, the day after SummerSlam, the one they're building to, he will be going officially against Karrion Cross for the NXT championship. And I think he's going to take it off of him. I don't think there's anything to lose now that Karrion Cross has already lost and apparently, reportedly, was supposed to lose a second time in a row to Jeff Hardy in a very similar way, but Jeff Hardy was taken off due to him getting COVID. So they went and changed it and had Karrion Cross beat, um, wow, I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now, uh, Keith Lee instead. So... Just weird what they're doing with Karrion Cross. I'm not going to get into that. But I think Karrion Cross is going full-time, and I think he's going to be on Raw tonight as well. So that leaves Samoa Joe to reclaim his title. I'm assuming Adam Cole to go against Kyle O'Reilly and win. And depending on if Adam Cole decides to stay or not, I think it's going to be Adam Cole against Samoa Joe in a program coming up soon, probably building. I'm assuming if they don't have a takeover beforehand, to Halloween Havoc coming up, uh, where maybe Adam Cole could take the title away from him. That, of course, is if Adam Cole decides to not re-sign with WWE NXT and go somewhere else. But it does look, Chris, like Samoa Joe is back as an active wrestler. We're probably going to get some big matches, which is awesome regardless. I really want to see him and Walter, you know, put both titles on the line, do whatever if you want to. Or just have the U.K. champion against the U.S. NXT champion. Either or would be awesome. But, um, yeah, Joe's back as a wrestler, and I think he's winning that title. I think he's winning the title as well. I just don't know the the timeline of it. Do you think they do it on a regular TV show where Cross drops the title? Because I'm assuming they're going to want to do... Either way, with Adam Cole, don't they want Joe versus Adam Cole? They've been trying to build that the entire time. Well, the contract that he signed was Samoa Joe against Karrion Cross at Takeover, which is okay. Well, that sucks. Um, 
Yeah, and I think, honestly, even though I don't think we've won it, it looks like they're going in a Kyle O'Reilly-Adam Cole third match for the rubber match at TakeOver. And it's nothing against their, 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 them putting matches together. They're both great in the ring. I'm just sick of watching Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in a fucking feud. So it looks like they would pivot from that in what I was trying to say, so I apologize if I was confusing. Um, if Adam Cole doesn't leave, it would be Samoa Joe and Adam Cole for the title afterwards, is what I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, that would make the most sense for them for sure. Sorry, I, I was thinking that um, it's the new the next NXT takeover was closer than the twentieth, which is the Chicago show with CM Punk, and and SummerSlam is that same weekend. I want to say, isn't it like the twenty first or whatever? I think it's the same weekend. Now that I look, now that I'm trying to remember, it's um what what is SummerSlam? It's it's weird actually. So SummerSlam is on. I believe the 21st and on Sunday is takeover. So they're putting SummerSlam ahead of takeover, uh, which is very strange, but it's going to be on the 22nd, which is the, the Chicago show is the 20th of August for AEW. Oh, we're talking about NXT. No, no, no. I'm saying they're, you're doing three big things back to back to back because I'm assuming CM Punk is oh. Chicago. Yeah, wow, I didn't think about that. So you're going to have probably uh, they're going to go full force with SmackDown, uh, but then AEW is going to come right back, have CM Punk show up, then SummerSlam's the next night, then TakeOver's the next night. Yeah, that's why I was curious if, if, they, if that's why SummerSlam is – on the night it is, or or whatever, or however they're trying yeah, to figure right. it out. It's a, it's a weird schedule for, for gonna, all the companies involved. It's going to be a pain-ass cover that weekend, though. What the fuck? We'll just cover it 30 seconds at a time. Um, we'll just do TikToks all weekend. You got listeners out there, we'll be on TikTok. That's our new platform of... <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I do dancing on there once in a while. But yeah, man, uh, Samoa Joe back as 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 a active wrestler. The, the 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 wrestling matches they can have with him going forward, if he picks that belt off of Karrion Cross, which I think he will, uh, and back as the NXT champion. I mean, just like Finn, if if I have the belt on him, the only other person I could see pivoting to that belt is Adam Cole. So I keep it on Samoa Joe for a while, especially in the case that Adam Cole doesn't resign. I would. I would keep it on Joe and have a bunch of awesome matches against Joe. How pissed are you if you're Samoa Joe and you're like, I came back and I know I can work <laughs> matches with this guy. And then they're like, he might be gone, dude. He was like, fuck. <laughs> Just in general, him being like, oh, God damn it. They got Brian and Punk. And then it's like, keeps on, oh, they fired fucking Bray. Are you kidding me? Adam Cole might leave? What the fuck? I should have gone to fucking Impact, for Christ's sakes. What the hell's this? I mean, Triple H said, don't worry about it, Joe. You, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. You're going to be a champion for a year and a half. I mean, As long, him, if we get Joe versus, versus Walter, I don't care. That's what I was going to say is, like, who's left for Joe to face that you'd really care about? Walter being one, I guess, Gar- Gargano, Ciampa. Pretty much. I mean, I, him and Bronson Reed would be interesting, I guess. Who the fuck else do they have? 
Austin Theory. Push him to the moon. Uh, I don't know. Cameron Grimes. There you go. <laughs> Why not? Cameron Grimes is good in the ring. That that would be a fun match between him and Samoa Joe, I'm sure. I'm sure Samoa Joe came back, especially with the way Uh-oh. they've written these storylines, thinking that he was going to get a Ring of Honor-style match with Adam Cole. And now he's like, fuck. <laughs> well, we do have one person we're not thinking about. As much as I'd love to see him and Walter, him and Adam Cole, him and Tommaso Ciampa, him and Johnny Gargano, the little stare-off that him and, P- that, uh, him and Pete Dunne, the Bruiser White had, I'd definitely be down for a fucking long feud between the two of them. I mean, maybe that's what it came down to with Samoa Joe, is he just wrote down a bunch of names from the NXT roster, and he was like, if you pay me this certain amount of money, I won't leave. Just because I like living here in Florida, it's easy. How long do you keep the belt on, though? I mean, the rest of the year. Just, yeah, just let him keep it like Finn did. I would. I mean, you can, there's a lot of feuds you could build around that, but, I mean, if he's going to win it, let's say he does win it against Cross in August, four months to the end of the year, right? So, I mean, save it till Mania for him to drop it. Try to build up some guys. Yeah, man. Um, I'm down, and you know that they're, they're trying to get them better, but they got a lot of big guys they're trying to push forward in development right now. Whether it be Rick Steiner's son, Park, or uh, yeah, Parker Bardot. So Joe's a good guy to handle them and fucking make them better if he has to. I mean, he's a he's really the perfect person to bounce matches off of, quite literally. <laughs> good call. Uh, he could a also guy. Be, he could also be feuding with Brian Cage right now as part of Team Taz, which would have been good more point. interesting. To me, but uh, to each their own. I mean, he's good for NXT, that's for sure, and, and it's good that they got him to come back. And there's some exciting matches, especially if they keep Adam Cole, because I, I think him, him and Adam Cole will have a really, really great match. Him and Cross, I, I love Samoa Joe, but I don't know that he's going to be able to carry like a, a great match out of that. Yeah, Kyle Riley, I think would be good. Uh, Volter, like you said, if they can get that going, that would, Bruce that would be good. Bruiserweight. There, I mean, there's guys there I would love to see Samojo face, but it's like gee. the other option would have been he could have held out and maybe AEW sign him, and he goes against CM Punk or something. You know what I mean? So it's it's one of those weird weird situations where you're like, well, I don't know. But uh, either way, um, pretty big stuff. Before we get into covering uh, the highlights. Uh, of both SmackDown and Dynamite. I wanted to make these two, I would say, smaller news items, but still pretty cool. Uh, MLW had their first pay-per-view and their last thing that they've done uh, on YouTube. Uh, They've been building up for their new show on Vice, so they stopped doing content, and they had their last pay-per-view on YouTube like they've done, uh, the third Battle Riot, or maybe it's the fourth Battle Riot, I know that Filthy Tom won, I believe, last year, where it's 40 guys. You can pin them, um, but you can also use, like, weapons. and it, it's, a, it's, it's a crazy-ass uh, event in itself. Uh, the event would have Conan making the third LAX uh, with some new members that he showed up with. So he's really, like, basically the Hispanic Jim Cornette 
with the Midnight Express just taking the name and putting it on some other people. Um, but the Battle Royale itself, it was pretty all over the place, and there wasn't a lot of big surprises. It was cool seeing Savio Vega and then him showing up later as that mass persona he had in WWE before he was allowed to be Savio Vega. I forgot what the name of it was. I think it began with a K or something. But the biggest news out of that, Alexander Hammerstone already lost a match, uh, not allowing him to have a title match. This was his only chance to have a title match. He's the open weight champion over at MLW, and he ended up winning. And uh, one of the cooler things is that, and I've talked to Alexander Hammerstone online a couple of years back, specifically of a comment Jim Cornette said about him, saying that it's like you took AWA, you know, early Hogan and mixed him with Kurt Henning and asked him about it. And finding out he's way younger than I thought he was, being born in the 90s, just humongous. And uh, he wasn't, you know, he didn't really grow up with Hogan. But now, since that has been made, he actually showed up with the the gear that Hulkster wore. Um, I forgot, the WrestleMania they had at Caesar Palace, where he came to, to Brett's aid, of course, and basically fucked him over and dropped the leg on Yoko and won the title. Um, but the same same uh, ring gear and uh, won the match. Everyone went crazy. And we'll be going against Jacob Fatu for that MLW championship. Um, and he's, I, I believe, putting his, his title on the line. So the next one will be a two um, a double champion, basically. And I think Hammerstone's going to get that. Um, but I'm, I'm a huge Alexander Hammerstone, Mark. I've talked to him about him a bunch on here. So I was happy to see him. He's becoming a huge baby face. And honestly, Chris... I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think that there's certain people that are meant for WWE, and I actually think that Hammerstone is one of them. And as many times as he's proven me wrong, I don't know how Vince would be able to fuck him up. I just think that he needs, I don't know if you saw the Battle Riot, but I think he needs to tone back a bit on some of the Hulk Hoganisms. Um, it's it's cool for this. Like, he dropped the leg drop. He was doing, he was Hammerstoning up and did, like, that whole entire thing where he points the finger and, and shit. But past that, don't be that on the nose about it, especially if he goes somewhere like an NXT to a WWE. I think he can be by himself a huge superstar for a future promotion uh, down the line. But unlike, a, unlike with a lot of people, I don't know if I really want to see Hammerstone show up at AEW eventually. I think I'd love to see him on Raw and SmackDown. I think he's built for that. But did you get a chance to watch Battle Royale at all? I did not, but I did see the colorful costume that you sent me of Alexander Hammerstone uh, with the red and yellow flying in full force. So, I mean, if that's what he's going for, they, they're they going to have that cross-up anyways with uh, WWE, right? So uh, maybe they do something interesting with it. Well, regardless, I'm I'm happy that, you know, he won the thing, and uh, I hope to, for him to get his first World Heavyweight Championship. Should be interesting. What what title does Fatu hold now? The, uh, he the, the championship. World, World Championship. Okay, so they're good. Okay, so that makes it's sense. It's going to be the two of them, both titles on the line, the Openweight Champion and the World Heavyweight Champion. That is going to be a very 80s matchup <laughs> as far oh, as yeah. 
That should be fun, though. I, I like Alexander Hammerstone a lot, so I'm not trying to... Uh, I'm, I'm not putting him down or anything. I just didn't have a chance to watch that particular MLW event, unfortunately. But I'm going to go check it back out, for sure, now that I know that he's doing just doing Hogan spots for real, because I know he got the comparison before, but I don't remember him necessarily, uh, you know, doing a... Uh, Let's say a, a what side back body drop into a into a leg drop. I mean, if he's doing that whole thing, then I, this might be something I need to see. Yeah, watch the last like twenty minutes. I think the rest of it you can go without watching because it's they literally filled the ring with twenty people before they start eliminating people, so it gets a little bit monotonous. It is funny because Filthy Tom Lawler gets eliminated and then comes back as. Um, Oh, what, oh, La Parca, L.A. Park, dressed up, and he gets eliminated again, takes off the mask, and he's like, God dang it! So uh, Filthy Tom, who won last year, uh, thrown out twice. <laughs> he's the number one weight champion. Come get at him, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, but, um, yeah, Fatu and, and Hammerstone, two of Jim Cornette's favorites that he probably does not want to go to AEW. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Well, I mean, they both would be perfect for WWE to some extent. They would. You know, so I, I could definitely... <laughs> Hammer time. Yeah, man. I think they both would be fucking great for it. So, Not There's just certain people... There's just certain people that seem like they're more for the sports entertainment. Like, And, and don't get me wrong. AEW is very sports entertainment. But it's definitely, I think... More pro wrestling, if that makes sense. It just there's something about both that too. Like you said, they just have an old school '80s feel to them, meant for the WWE. I feel like, and I'll flip it some to some extent with some people that are in W or in AEW. Like Wardlow, to me, seems more like a WWE guy, where he could be a Agreed. huge guy that can hit some huge moves and and work with these smaller guys, like say a Seth Rollins where the matches would be really, really great. He's a guy you could potentially build around. If his promos aren't bad, they we haven't gotten enough of his promos, but there's guys like that, too. Same thing with Will Hobbs, uh, where I think the AEW maybe is underutilizing them. So I, I think it goes both ways, but yeah, for sure. Yep. But uh, another uh, big change that happened this weekend was at uh, Game Changer Wrestling. We had the match. Jesus Christ. Between Matt Cardona and the former GCW champion, Nick Gage, before Nick Gage's match against Chris Jericho, he put his title against Matt Cardona, who uh, basically had a mask on and pretended that he was John Moxley only to, you know, uh, give him a double arm DDT and reveal himself as Matt Cardona at the previous GCW show. So this was getting built. Two of them. Audience hates Matt Cardona. He represents basically the WWE to them. <laughs> He's got a great physique. He's old school WWE, loves their product when he was a kid. I mean, he collects fucking action figures. The perfect person to be the heel to this fucking weird-ass audience. And they have their match in a ballroom that's probably now covered in blood. I don't know if they were able to take all the stains out of the carpet but the match was just brutal for a death match. And Nick Gage carved Matt Cardona up. They fought in the audience, back in the ring. He sliced them all to hell. 
Matt Cardona's doing a great job selling at one part, even like pretending to cry, which was great. Maybe he actually was crying. I don't know because he got fucked up. Uh, just the photos of the aftermath was ridiculous. But of course, what everyone's talking about, uh, Nick Gage portrayed by one of his buddies, uh, set up and then Matt Cardona took advantage of it, got the win and won the GCW championship. The audience went apeshit and were pissed. They were throwing 16-ounce cans of beer with beer fully in it. Someone actually took Nick Gage's pizza cutter that had fallen to the ground and thrown it at Matt Cardona. He also said in an interview that they were sending death threats towards him and Chelsea Green, his girlfriend. Uh, This is a fucking wild bunch. And Matt has said on Busted Open, he will not be defending this title in a death match. So he really is trying to piss off those fans by proclaiming that they have to wrestle him in a pro wrestling match in order to, to get that title. So, I mean, Matt Cardona, outside of the death threats, Chris, and, um, you know, the way that it, we almost started a mini riot with the audience before they got him the fuck out of there, uh, taking being a heel to that audience, uh, I would say in strides. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't even know what to say else to this. I mean, he's absolutely great as a heel for this audience. I, I'm more confused on the audience, you know, more than anything else. Like, what has Zack Ryder done to piss anyone off? I'm trying to think. Like, there has to be something, right? He or pissed in their Cheerios. I don't even know just, if Cheerios. He's just the WWE guy, so they just immediately hate him. That's pretty the, much that's, that's what we're going for. I mean, you GCW should be happy that a WWE guy showed up on their show. <laughs> to be completely honest, I mean, to be fair, their fucking Hulk Hogan is Nick Gage, so that's the type of people we're dealing with. No offense if you're one of those people. Um, I think I've seen you by the bowling alley, by the mall, with the trailer park next to. It. Were they hanging out with Marty Jannetty? Because he's got some stories to tell about bowling alleys. <laughs> uh, no. All kidding aside, I mean, I totally get it from this fan base. They want the hardcore. I mean, it's the same thing as when Mick Foley went anti-hardcore, Tommy Dreamer went anti-hardcore. That's what Zack Ryder or Matt Cardona's character represents is, hey, I'm a huge WWE fanboy. I have been my entire life. I worked there. He's great for what that was, I was surprised that he took as much as he did in that match as someone that doesn't really need it, probably. But he, I mean, he really went full send in on it. Uh, the L.I. shirt with the, the middle finger is pretty fucking funny, but that's also very heelish, especially if you're supposed to be like the uh, I am the clean baby face kind of thing. So I I don't know. It's weird. It's like their heels are like their their baby faces are actually heels in GCW. So it was crazy. The pictures of uh, that Chelsea posted when he woke up the next day in the, the I guess the hotel room or their room or whatever it was of the bloodstained sheets is like yeah well like you know that's Nick Gage match. Yeah, she couldn't be happy with that, though, having to clean up all that shit. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Didn't Matt say I felt really bad for the maids? Like, 
I like that Mac Cardona open. He got sliced open many times. I like that Matt Cardona did this, but when he when Nick Gage wrestled Brian Alvarez, he's like, "Ain't hey, doing none of that shit," and then didn't do any of that shit <laughs> somehow. So I don't I don't understand how that works. David Arquette, yes, get murdered. Matt Cardona, yes, get murdered. Brian Alvarez, nah, dude. <laughs> I think it has to do with Filthy Tom being his partner, Dane. Ah, yeah, man probably has a lot to do with it but i love the picture because this was true it was monday and the biggest news in wrestling was involved with you know brian danielson signing with AEW and, and cm punk and then this stuff about matt cardona and they had a picture of them in the ring all with their titles i'm pretty sure matt cardona had the internet belt but all raising them together like who knew we'd be talking about the three of them outside of wwe today so just uh, I love what Matt Cardona's doing. Do whatever you want. Him and EC3 seem like they just they're having fun. They're just reinventing themselves, going from promotion to promotion, and doing what the fuck they want. So I'm down for it, man. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure Matt Cardona has surpassed just on podcast views alone, and 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 that shit. He's probably making more money than he was making WWE to begin with. So at that point, do whatever the hell you want to do. I mean, make your money, but. At the same time, like, hey, you want to go be a heel in GCW? Why the hell not? Do you, dude? I, I like Matt Cardona a lot, and I, I actually like the Major Figures podcast a lot, too. They're fun. Even though I'm not a hardcore collector, uh, for action figures, it, it's always a fun listen, regardless. All right, before we go into a little bit of reviewing of the two shows, I also wanted to say, hey, man, especially since people are talking about him in the wrestling industry, Kurt Angle, Ric Flair, sending their praise. I want to give Gable uh, Stevenson another nod. He's competing in the Olympics uh, for wrestling. It started today, and it's all over the fucking place due to the fact that it's in Japan. So if you're trying to watch it, oh, Lord, there's a lot of stuff. Um, But I know that Wednesday officially will be his weight class, the heavyweights, and their freestyle. So... You know, he's got a lot of praise from a lot of guys within the industry, and he's been appreciative. And I just love that I look at his profile for the actual Olympics, and his first interest is professional wrestling like like WWE, and names as his, his uh, the people that he looks up to, it was, it was Kurt Angle, Brock Lesnar, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, <laughs> regardless... Gable is definitely someone I want to see within the industry. And honestly, if I was AEW even, I would just be like, hey, come over here. They're not going to do shit with you. But regardless, I put Kurt Henning, or Kurt Henning. That'd be awesome, but unfortunately, both Minnesota boys. But I would actually probably put Kurt Angle as a manager. I think would be a good idea for him. But here's to Gable and getting that gold medal for the U.S. in um, heavyweight. I believe it's the 75 um kilogram uh freestyle yeah that's that's it chris do you you, want to give some praise and and hope that our man gable takes that gold medal home and if he doesn't we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just mess him up we're gonna beat him up i don't think that you and i combined could beat up chad gable sounds like a bad idea (laughs) well gable stevenson not chad gable but yes Uh, either or (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I no, I'm kidding. Um, in general, I think we'd probably get twisted into little tiny pretzels. He's like a that. huge dude, man. He's almost as big as Brock Lesnar. Like he's a massive man. They have a very tough. Amateur wrestling is very, very tough this year. I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch for sure. Did I know I watched, I sent you earlier um, some stuff from, I guess it was. That was awesome. The lightweight or the middleweight where he hit like a, I don't even know what to, a rotating sidewalk slam. I don't, I don't even know what you would call it. You just have to see it. It was absolutely phenomenal. Um, these cats are, they're different. Than when Kurt Angle was there, <laughs> um, Kurt Angle's been great, and uh, it's it it's good to see because he was. You have to. It wasn't that many years ago that they were trying to get rid of amateur wrestling in the Olympics in general. Yep, and he was one of the people that was like say pro wrestling. He was still. I think he was still an impact at the time. He even had shirts and stuff that said you know say not pro wrestling but amateur wrestling. Um, so it's cool to see that it's become such a thing, like especially looking on Twitter and seeing these cats hit the kind of moves they hit now. It, it's nuts. But then also skateboarding is a sport now, so maybe the world's changing for the better. Let's hope, for sure. And if you guys want to see a really funny promo that Ric Flair cut, go to Gable Stevenson's uh, Twitter page because, you know, it's, it's Ric Flair, 45 seconds, him with sunglasses on. Praising Gable and telling him he's going to kick everyone's ass, basically. So, just some good shit. But, um... <laughs> do, you, do you think he's going to hit the figure four on anyone? That's the real question. He's, I don't know. so inspired. He said he, said he takes <laughs> all this very seriously, because he's known for doing a backflip after he wins. He just runs and does a backflip, like, perfectly in the air. Um, but I even think they said he's going to tone down that. But that would still be awesome if he broke out the figure four to make the person tap out. Or gives them an, an angle slam, followed by an ankle lock. <laughs> I guess. I guess we'll see in the near future. Yep. I did watch. Well, the, how much of the Olympics have you watched? Because I watched the swim melody or medley last night, which is crazy. It's like backstroke, and then I guess it's breaststroke, where you look like a dolphin, and then uh, normal swimming. And America won. I was pretty hyped about that. I just watched a little bit of the basketball, <laughs> and then I caught a little bit of the gymnastics. But yeah. my main and, – and skateboarding. I watched some of the highlights of that. I felt bad for Tony Hawk, though, because he was, like, really excited and happy that, that skateboarding is in the Olympics. And the whole entire time, I'm like, you should have a gold medal since you were fucking killing it for years, and they didn't even take that seriously. It's like, oh, it's stupid. It's the same fucking thing as snowboarding just on the fucking – what the – Whatever. So are they even doing, like, a vert? So are they doing a vert skate, though? Because, I mean, that's what Tony was known for, and all all that I saw was uh, skate and park for male and female, which I'm assuming... I don't even know how they separate these, but park was... They had built a full-on skate park, and a 13-year-old kid from Japan wanted... I can't remember his name right now. He's absolutely fucking incredible. Nigel Houston let us down for, for America, finishing like 20th or something. Son of a kidding. bitch. Uh, but, yeah, I watched that, and then they have the, uh, they have park, they had street skate and park skate 
basically, and I don't know what the difference between those two are. Um, I would just, you know, because next game's Bert is Bert. So, like, if you hear the name Bob Burnquist or Tony Hawk, uh, back in the day when I was watching this stuff actively, you're like, okay, so that's the Bert skate. Um, if you heard, like, you know, Bucky Lassick or something, you're like, okay, that's street. Uh, but I, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm just too old, too old for skateboarding. You're just an old man. You're washed up. Stop trying to be cool and hip, Chris. But the kids nowadays. Well, is that even a statement anymore that people use? I don't, I don't know. know. I mean, it's weird to me. They tried to take out. I've bitched about this before. We take out amateur wrestling, but we still have equestrian events. And power walking. I'm still saying you, if you wanted to, you could do pro wrestling in the Olympics, but no one wants to, no one wants to listen to me. There's a great interview with Mr. Brian Alvarez and uh, Lance Storm debating on whether that would be good for the sport of wrestling or not on the last Wrestling Observer uh, with Alvarez and, and uh, Lance Storm, and it's really good, honestly. I just think, just like if you were to, kind of like what you were saying about skateboarding, I'm not 100% sure if they did any vert, but if you do that, if everything's about a point-based system, very much like how snowboarding does that, very much how dancing does that, uh, like the freestyle competitions, if you assess different team of professional wrestlers in each country, and they were able to put on, they had a certain amount of time, and they had to either do made either a match, what they call it in the ring, or they put it together beforehand, and it's scored based on the interval amount of time of them putting on this set performance for whatever points based on, you know, scoring it very differently than you would, obviously, a one-on-one competition. It's more of like a performance, if you will. You could definitely, it's still athletic, it could still be, there's, Pro wrestlers in every fucking country, you know, would probably come down to Japan, the U.S. every time, but who knows? Maybe Mexico would fucking kick some ass. But it wouldn't be as, as pretty and crazy as a lot of the shit that we see. It'd probably have to be toned down a bit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the conversation was, well, who do you get to judge this? And, you know, you may have one judge that's super into like a like AEW or New Japan style and one judge that's into Lucha but other judges they hate Lucha or people that are into what WWE does. One, how do you get to judge that? That's what I You got, got three judges. This is my idea. You got three judges. You put the first judge as Dave Metzler. You have the next judge is Jim Cornette and the third one is the uh, reanimated corpse of Luthez. <laughs> It's Dana White. He's the third one. Oh God! He hates uh, all yeah, of Joe them. Rogan's so it'll gonna be even. A- it'll just even out, <laughs> and you'll get like two honest opinions. Um, no, but Lance was mostly talking about like how do you do that and how does that work. And the other thing was when these stars come back to your company and they're on regular TV. What does it actually mean? Does it actually hurt your TV? Which Brian Alvarez said. Uh, not a direct quote, but he was essentially like, it happens once every four years, and I think people forget about things after like two or three months. So he was like, you if could... You were to you get could, that gold medal, you probably get a boost. <laughs> yeah, that, I, guess, I think that was his point, is now where it would become a, more of a problem, they kind of talked about this as well, is if you started doing it 
every six months or every three or three to six months because you have to stay active to be part of the Olympics the next four years or whatever, then it becomes well, like this thing where how do you watch? I'm sorry. No, I, I was just saying like then it becomes this thing where now there's two different kinds of wrestling. There's pro wrestling and then there's Olympic pro wrestling and and they already have enough of that with amateur yeah. wrestling, UFC, etc. So you, you kind of create this weird mindset of like which one you'd want to watch, you know, more. And do you have this weird thing where WWE's like, guess what? We do Olympic pro wrestling now, or something. Um, they could be bad for people. And make it team. Would you, if you were to make your team for this, and however many, like maybe they have. All right, if they were to have four competitions. You would have calling it all in the ring between two people, maybe one where they figure out all the spots ahead of time, and then you do a tag one and maybe a women's competition too for the same concept. So that would be five. You know, who would you have as part of your team? And would WWE and AEW allow their superstars to join an Olympic team for pro wrestling, even if they're working together, even though they're different companies? It's interesting. It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, but it would overshadow the Olympics. I mean, the uh, the the freestyle wrestling, wrestling looks cool. I mean, it's more uh, exciting usually. Yeah, I mean, you get this. Uh, but the other thing is, like, you have people in the same kind. Like, wouldn't you want like Kenny Omega versus uh, like if we're doing Canada, Kevin Owens or Sammy? Sane, because I those would be my next two picks from Canada outside of Kenny Omega. Yeah, in Japan, all their fucking talent—they already treat it like it's a fucking Olympic sport. <laughs> Jesus. They're a little yeah. easier because it actually might be more in. Canada versus <laughs> Japan at the end of it. I mean, U.S. got U.S. has a lot of great talent as well, but, I mean, like, when you're picking your Olympic team, say, like, we're going to pick two people to have a match, do you do Kenny Omega versus, like, someone random from Canada, or do you do, do, you, do you pick the safe, to me, if I'm trying to win a gold medal, I pick the safe bet, and I'm just like, uh, Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn, that's, <laughs> that's where we're going on that one, um, but you get what I'm saying, then it gets weird, and then... Like, do you do cross, like, if you're AEW, do you want to let Kenny Omega wrestle in the Olympics if he has to go against someone from, or someone that's in a different company? It, it's just one of those weird things. I think it's a great idea. It'd be a lot of fun to watch. I just don't ever foresee it happening, unfortunately. Me neither. Me neither. But I think Kenny would be like, Tony, I'm going to join the Olympic team, and I don't even care if you don't want me to, because I'm going to beat everyone, because I am the greatest wrestler in the world, the best power machine. And that's what he'd say to Tony, and Tony would be like, all right, I can see what you're saying, so I'll let you do it. That's how it would be. And then Samoa, Samoa Joe and AJ Styles decide they're going to end their career on a gold medal run, and they have one of the best matches of all time as Americans. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's just one of those weird things. You're talking every four years. I just don't ever see it happening. That's well, every eight years, actually, because every four years you go winter, then summer, then winter, then summer. So it's every eight years 
for each summer games, which is where they have the wrestling thing. So it's it's a long time period. No, I thought it was it's two and two. So in two years it'll be the winter games, and then the next two years it'll be the summer games again. It's, it's split two and two. Are you sure? Pretty sure, because of hockey. I don't know, man. So the, the winter games will be in China in uh, 2020. Well, it's supposed to be 2022, but it might be 2023 just because of COVID and the fact that the Tokyo games technically were supposed to be 2020. So it's thrown off a little now, but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the format of it. All right, well, um, anyways, do you want to talk about AEW? Sure, I want to talk about Emo bat, emo Daddy Sting. What's he, what's he up to? Emo Daddy Sting. Well, before we get to that, I think this is a good sum up from whoever wrote this on The Observer for this match because I found this AEW Dynamite to be awesome. I thought it was well-paced. I thought it was a little bit for everyone. I feel like they're, they're, they're getting their stride. Um, they're taking into account some things that people have said about them, whether it be, aside from Rick Knox, uh, you know, paying attention as a referee and not burying them. Uh, Jim Ross has been more lively, I think, on announcing. I think he had a great night. Um, the first match was the – it was Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson against Hangman Page. Eva Luno, Stu Grayson, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds in an elimination tag. The stipulation was, I believe presented two weeks before that, that if Adam Page and the members of the Dark Order won, that the uh, Dark Order members of uh, Eva Luno and Stu Grayson, who were next in line for a title shot, would receive their title shot. If they lost, they wouldn't get it, as well as Adam Page, if he won, since he was you know, the number one contender, he would get his match with Kenny Omega. If they lost, they wouldn't get it. And what they said was this was a fantastic match, but I'm baffled by the booking. And I kind of get that. At one point, uh, Evil Order member, or Dark Order member, Stu Grayson, he took a fucking nasty spill. He went outside for a jump. No one caught him, and he basically just fell on his head. And I don't know if this part where him and Luke Gallows were kind of battling in the audience, although he did another gnarly jump, you know, shortly after that, but if they got counted out on purpose, or if that was kind of getting him out of the match, um, but just a fun match, action-packed, and the Elite won. So, a lot of people are wondering if that's because of the people that are coming in, whether it be a Daniel Bryan or a CM Punk, or is Hangman Page going to have to do some more stuff to get that title shot? It's kind of confusing, but since he lost, he doesn't get the title shot, even though he's a number one contender. And uh, Uno and Stu Grayson don't get their tag team title shot. That's, I didn't see the ending going down the way it did. Uh, what do you think, Chris? Kind of the same as you, because I, I thought they would at least do those two matches with the tag match and the um, Adam Page match, even if they didn't put the title on him. I didn't know when they were going to do them, but I thought that that was a possibility in the future. And I think it's, it still is with Adam Page. 
But uh, yeah, it was an interesting match. The Stu uh, Stu Grayson, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a good conversation with Lance and Alvarez talking about gymnastics and how you should be able to be caught and how he just kind of flipped repeatedly regardless of like being able to land anywhere near safe um, with his arms and elbows and legs and all sorts of stuff out. That's a fun one to listen to. But uh, he, fl- he, t- he went full send. He was excited about the X Games, apparently, and uh, did not turn out... Not turn out too well. That was, I mean, that was the craziest spot in the match. Unfortunately, it was a decent match. I'm kind of. What does this mean for the, I guess the Young Bucks really? Because who are they going to go against for the tag titles? I don't know, man. That's that's a good question. And also, uh, are they saying, all right, Kenny and Page are on hold? Should we put Kenny against one of the bigger names coming in? You know, what if the rumors that Daniel Bryan showing up in New York is not true and they get him involved in this? Or what if CM Punk shows up in Chicago, all that shit with Darby Allens maybe for something later, and he calls out Kenny? Like, do you think they would do anything like that? I mean, I'm assuming it's Bryan versus Omega. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming. I mean, that's what everyone wants to see. Right, I, I think a lot of people want to see Omega versus Kitty or Omega versus Punk as well. But if you already dropped the, if you already busted your nut on the Darby stuff, you would assume that would happen first, right? Yeah. So I mean, next the the very next month is going to be Daniel Bryan. So I'm, I I can only think that the American Dragon is going to be taking a run at the title because, like, what else are you going to have Daniel Bryan do? I don't know. But it's interesting stuff. I mean, it's a weird situation because, you know, when the Kevin Nash and Scott Hall stuff happened when I was a kid, that was kind of unthinkable. But going back in history and seeing it throughout, now we're kind of seeing this weird transition of what what's the rest of the talent doing? Like, what was Ric Flair going to be doing when NWO come in, came in, right? <laughs> like, they had to retroactively think about it. It's going to be interesting to see how Tony Khan handles it, honestly, because uh, I know they're getting, what, two extra hours or at least one extra hour of TV. Still not a whole lot with if you're getting Alistair, Bray, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, plus you already have the pinnacle and inner circle and you got to get the women on TV uh, how you fit that into one show. Now they're running into the Vince McMahon problem of, like, maybe we have too much talent. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's 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 crazy. But uh, we're going to find out in the next couple months what they're going to be doing. And they could be stacking, stacking, stacking. And I think the big fear of, of a lot of us is, and kind of you were alluding this earlier, what do you do with some of those guys you're building? You know, there's still a pretty good amount of time since they're young to get them to a level within another year or so and have these guys kind of freshen up your company, but you're definitely going to be causing some people to have a back seat towards these bigger names, I would say. Well, let's say let's talk about someone that's like middle-aged like Miro, right? Or Lance Archer. How how are you going to build your young stars around them plus bring in new stars that need title shots? 
to potentially stay relevant. It, not everyone is Chris Jericho is what I'm getting at. You can't just throw them anywhere and it's going to work. I would say that probably about Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. They probably need to be ta- chasing titles to some extent. So, I, I don't know, man. It's going to be fun to see. If they pull it off, they're going to look like fucking geniuses, that's for sure, because I think that the, the ratings are going to skyrocket for that show and make it very close to what Raw is now, which is like a 1.7 or 1.8 million um, average. God, if they beat that rating, it's going to fucking be nuts! Even one week of that happening. All right, so the next thing on the show, uh, Pac was interviewed, and basically... Um, Someone have canceled his car, and his other Dark Triangle members uh, were, you know, picked up, or at least offered cars by Andrade. And Andrade and Chavo walk up. Chavo's now completely heel. Um, he set the limos up for them, and Andrade recommended Pac get better transportation for his associates or the work for someone who will. Um, you know, just, I mean, I just want to get Andrade versus Pac already. Can we just do that? And then, obviously, afterwards, Lucha Brothers are going to kick the shit out of Pac. So, I mean, that's what's happening, right, Chris? Yeah, I'm assuming so. That's what I had going in, because I feel like they need they need uh, the brother, like Penta and Phoenix, to be with Andrade leading into Triple Mania, unless they do something absolutely nuts in the next few months. When is that? Year. And it's coming up. So I'm, I'm assuming that's where they have to get. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. This was fine. It wasn't good or bad. I, I don't know. You could just have Andrade beat people. That's, all, that's also an option. Like maybe have yeah. him beat Jungle Boy. <laughs> Dude, so they would have to get that done. And uh, Triple Mania is on the 14th. So it's not this next weekend, but the weekend after that on Saturday. They haven't mentioned anything about Andrade and Kenny on the television. Should they even mention that? I mean, you have to because the match is going to... I mean, that's what the match is supposed to be unless they're not going to do that match. That would be weird. I guess they didn't really acknowledge that much of the Impact Championship matches on their program, but AAA, it seems like you'd want to do that. Especially since they've had to fucking make a championship on Kenny for, like, what, a year and a half now? It's not only that, but it's also Andrade, who's one of your big stars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hmm, that's so interesting. You're in, you're in a weird spot. Fucking Ric Flair shows up in Mexico, wasted off tequila inside of Andrade, and at some point knocks out Don Callis and puts him in a figure four. While Andrade beats Kenny for the uh, Mega Championship. There you go. Book it. You don't have to do the tequila, but it just makes sense because it's Ric Flair. Yep. <laughs> All right. Let's keep on going. Uh, I love how you're like, yep. All right. Ricky <laughs> Starks. He had a big celebration. <laughs> and uh, there was a whole New Orleans band, and everyone was having a great time. Cage came out and destroyed all of it. And they get the fuck out of there. Obviously, this is Brian Cage against Ricky, probably for the... F the world championship, if you will. I don't really care. I gotta be honest. 
You don't care about that championship belt that was never defended until now? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Don't care about it. Doesn't Darby Allen hold that title technically? Since he, how many times he beat Brian Cage? Like 175 times? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's weird, but they they got to get Cage out of that situation because they see him as a babyface. Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that happened, or one of the biggest things outside of the uh, CM Punk announcement, or, well, the CM Punk announcement that wasn't the CM Punk announcement, you know what I'm talking about. A video of New Japan legend Hiroshi Tanahashi played, and he called out whoever is going to win the match between Lance Archer and Hikaleo uh, later on that night. Uh, The person would be going to New Japan. I'm assuming, like I said... The, the report is that it's going to be Moxley against Tanahashi, possibly in a three-way with Lance Archer for the U.S. belt, but Moxley and Tanahashi at all out. So it looks like Tanahashi, like a lot of the other wrestlers, is coming over to be a part of New Japan Strong and try to help out that program. So Hiroshi Tanahashi made an appearance on behalf of New Japan to call out those guys. Later on, Moxley basically said that Tanahashi was ducking and dodging him, and as soon as he was out of the picture, he wanted the the championship and talk shit, if you will, only the only the way John Moxley could. But uh, regardless, Chris, that's a pretty good thing. If you want some crossover appeal, maybe a future Naito or Okada coming over here. If you present even a video of Tanahashi and the rumor going around that Moxley is going to be having a match against Tanahashi at all out. That's uh, that's some pretty good news, I would say, if you're a New Japan fan. So Tanahashi is winning this belt. I don't know. I mean that. I mean that's what it seems like to me. Because otherwise, why would you have the storyline? You have to get the belt off Lance, and then you need to get to both in uh, Tokyo Dome in January, into January, and whatever you want to do with it beforehand with Moxley, because. All outs before uh, before Wrestle Kingdom, right? Yeah, all outs next month. Yeah, so how do you feel about potentially swapping that belt that fast? That's why a lot of people are are saying that it's going to be Tanahashi, Archer, and Moxley in a three way for that belt at all out. But then you're still doing a rebound match at, at the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Kingdom. Well, Lance is definitely going against, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Tanahashi. And yeah, it's it. does that mean that he's going to Japan? Or if Tanahashi's coming over here for All Out, is he coming and they're doing it on the New Japan Strong platform over here in the U.S.? We don't really know that information. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would think that Maybe you have to, if you're trying to be even kill. Maybe Tanahashi wins the title on AW and then defends against Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom because they don't have anything for Tanahashi to do, as far as I'm aware, on New Japan. No, that's I don't know. Do you think Lance Archer versus uh, Tanahashi is a bigger draw? Because I mean. I, and it, do you do you want John Moxley to take another loss? <laughs> that's that's the other thing. Uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a it's it's a weird one. I could see them doing it in uh, New Japan Strong. 
for like a big match. Here's an idea. So Lance Archer goes to New Japan Strong against Tanahashi for that belt, which is what they were setting up. If it's, I'm saying if it's over here. So if it's at New Japan Strong, they have the match. Moxley, who's pissed off that Tanahashi apparently was ducking and diving him, costs Tanahashi the match. Lance Archer stays as, as the IWGP U.S. Championship, and now Tanahashi wants Moxley's throat, and you just have the two of them go against each other at All Out at the beginning of September. Could be. I mean, that, make, that makes sense. Definitely do that. That's That one's interesting to me because I... I I could also see them have Tanahashi have a long run with that belt and try to build up New Japan Strong. Just That's a good point. Like an ace. I mean, I would rather, you know, Ace go for the U.S. belt and fucking Moxley and, and Tom Lawler fight for the uh, New Japan Strong Openweight Championship, but, you know, I can't always get what I want. But uh, we were talking about the Tanahashi concept and him being on uh, the program itself cutting a promo against the winner of Hikaleo and Lance Archer and John Moxley calling him out later on and the idea of what they're going to do with that. I thought, you know, we all came to some cool concepts and um, just regardless, this is big with Tanahashi because to me, Tanahashi is someone big to have on the program. If we can possibly get, you know, one thing that we're not, it's going to be a minute because he's going to have to establish himself on AEW, but Daniel Bryan, the whole point of him probably working with AEW, one of the, the upsides was that he could go over to Japan if he wanted to. So if you trade someone like a Daniel Bryan for a short amount of time, it would make sense after Tanahashi comes over here or possibly, and I'll keep on going back to it, Kazuchika Okada. Especially with, like I said, man, I think that if you have Ric Flair as the the person to speak for the two of them, and he comes out with Okada, presents him just for a run, and then you get Ric Flair to do whatever afterwards, but a couple-month run. It's a lot of fun to throw in there, and the fans will go crazy. But let's get uh, past that and talk about... I'm not sure I felt about this. The thing is, if they have another match, another good solid tag match, and... Santana Ortiz get a definitive win over FTR, and this is leading to, like, the rubber match at the pay-per-view. I could be down, but I thought that FTR kind of abruptly beat Santana and Ortiz, and it was basically their own fault. Um, Wheeler did get hurt in this match. He got sliced open. It looked like a really bad cut. Uh, It looked like he got thrown outside, and he got caught on something, and it just completely opened up his arm. Um, but yeah, it was just, just a, uh, brain buster that Ortiz lost from with a clean win from Mr. Dax Harwood. So if this is going to continue and lead to one last tag match and a certain stipulation at all out coming up in September, I guess I'm okay with it, but just kind of abrupt and weird. Another weird way of going about a match. I didn't even think this one was going to be on television, honestly. I thought this was going to definitely be on um, All Out. But like I said, this is a series of matches that leads up to it. Keep Conan there for sure. I definitely like seeing him back with Santana and Ortiz. All right, so Britt Baker and Rebel were backstage. Uh, She managed to tap 
Uh, Nia Rose out with a broken arm. Baker said she and Rebel needed extra help because everyone's gunning for her. A lot of people are speculating on this. So maybe a new woman's wrestler to come in. The ones I think of that are usually like your big, you know, bodyguard-style female wrestlers, they're all retired. Even Jazz at this point, who I could see them bringing in beforehand. So maybe this is them bringing back... um, uh, Man, I can't remember her name now. Kong, but she was doing Glow, and I know that show unfortunately ended... But she was a part of it at the beginning, and she was, sorry guys, Kaya Stevens, what is her full name? Awesome Kong, there you go. And what was she over there? Yeah, Karma, over in the WWE. So maybe that's someone I was thinking of, possibly. I know that they had Aja Kong on as well, and her involved in that tournament. So that's another person they could go to. Some people are saying Tessa Blanchard. I wouldn't. I I just see her showing up over at WWE before she shows up in AEW. But I could be wrong. Her father does work for the organization. And uh, from there, Tony Schiavone made the announcement that Friday on August 20th, AEW Rampage first dance as a, uh, you know, the last dance, Chicago Bulls. Uh, It will be at the United Center in Chicago. And Darby Allen says, uh, you know, made his threat that we were talking about earlier towards CM Punk. There was a huge CM Punk chant. I think it's safe to say CM Punk's going to be at that show. All right, Hikaleo and Lance Archer were next. And uh, just a good big guy match, man. I, I jokingly told Chris that Hikaleo looks like X-Pac and Kevin Nash had a baby. Because in the face, he kind of looks like X-Pac. He's a younger kid. But it was really cool seeing King Haku there coming out, getting involved in the match, almost screwing over Lance Archer at some point. And uh, just a fun ending, but with Archer getting the blackout in the center of the ring to win. So he will be going against Tanahashi, like said. Cody was going to make some comments backstage in the, uh, it's not called the gorilla position there, the dusty position. That's kind of a weird term, now that I think about it. <coughs> But um, he was going to get interviewed behind the desk, and Malachi Black showed up, beat the shit out of him, and a couple wrestlers that were trying to break it up before security got there. Knocked the fuck out of Fuego del Sol. Looked like he connected a little bit too much. It was nasty. Miro talked about Lee Johnson challenging him and uh, said he's not worried about him. And he said that the two thing- he needs two things in his life, a vengeful god, and a double-jointed wife. So I thought that was hilarious, and that will be next week against Lee Johnson, where he will surely be destroyed. Christian Cage was with Jurassic Express, going against uh, Angelico with um, Isaiah, or Angelico, Mark Quinn, and Isaiah Cassidy. Matt Hardy was in their corner. Um, and, yeah... The Jurassic Press and Christian Cage ended up winning that match. Afterwards, Blade came out, uh, dressed as someone in the audience, revealed himself after knocking out Christian with some brass knuckles. So they're going to keep on going with the brass knuckles. I guess the Butcher, that's his way of uh, ending people. So we had the Nick Gage video package play, and he says he's the Dutch match king. Said Jericho is going to look in the mirror and know Nick Gage did what to him and MDK all day. 
Um, we have the Varsity Blondes cut a promo on behalf of Julia Hart, who is going against Thunderosa. And Thunderosa making an announcement that she is officially signed with AEW. They had a match, and Julia Hart did a really good job selling while Thunderosa destroyed her and got the Thunder Driver for the Fire Thunder Driver, I should say, for the win. It's announced that next week we're going to have Cody Rhodes against Malachi Black, TNT champion. Miro versus Lee Johnson, The Bunny versus Layla Hirsch in an NXT or NWA Women's Championship Eliminator match. The other person will be a part of the pay-per-view. And Christian Cage versus The Blade. We already talked about the John Moxley thing, calling himself the Forbidden Door, calling out Tanahashi, definitely setting some stuff up. MJF was on commentary for the match with Chris Jericho going against Nick Gage. And this was one hell of a match. This was brutal. Like Matt Cardona, but even more so because this is Chris fucking Jericho. I can't believe what Chris was willing to do throughout the course of this match. It was violent. It was it was it was it was mean. It was ugly. It was a Nick Gage match. It was violent as hell. Did I mention it was violent? Pizza cutter spots. There was light tube spots. Light tubes were sliced on the forehead of of Chris Jericho. He did do a thing at the beginning where. Yeah, you know, Nick Gage had the pizza cutter, and he kind of came by him and dashed him with it. And I think Jericho actually bladed his arm, but I could be wrong. Maybe it was that sharp. I don't believe so, because it didn't look like it cut as much uh, when used against Jericho later on the match. But, I mean, there's no reason to fucking equate it or go into detail of any of that type of stuff that much, because it was a fucking death match. These guys are brutally beating the shit out of each other. There's shards of glass everywhere. At one part... The fucking tech guy helped Nick Gage bring in a huge glass pane and put it in between two chairs and look like he was about to take Chris Jericho. Put He puts him underneath the uh, the, gl- the glass and is going to jump through it and elbow drop him. Chris Jericho gets up, knocks into him, and proceeds to hit him ten times on the top rope and then do, for the second week in a row... A Frankensteiner to Nick Gage through the fucking glass. <laughs> it was violent. I mentioned it was violent. So then, at one part, you know, Chris Jericho's uh, Nick's got the better of him. He's slicing up his forehead, carving him out. Uh, and Jim Ross, you could just tell, kind of broke because at one time he's like, "Oh, this is so much fun! Light tubes, really fun." So it was, it was ridiculous. You have MJF who. Has, you know, can say, even though he's much more like the old school person, he was the guy in CZW, uh, very similar to, um, oh man, the guy's always going for the 27 title, but it's actually a a great technical wrestler, Drew Drew, uh, Gulak. Very similar to him, an anti-hardcore wrestler in CZW, but that's, that's, that's where MJF broke his teeth. So... You know, it it makes sense that he'd still be cool with this. And at the end of it, Jericho ended up getting the win, um, blocking, I believe him hitting him with another light tube and getting him with the Judas effect, knocking him out, three count. The third thing that Jericho has to do, remember, MJF's on the fifth, so he's got two more trials. He's gone with Nick Gage in a death match, one, and previous before that, beat Sean Spears with Sean Spears having the ability to use a chair in a match. And now he just has to hit a move off the top rope, something he did the last two times, 
against Juventud Guerrero. Now, I'm excited about this. I love Juventud Guerrero, and it has nothing to do with him, but don't you think that you would want to get the Nick Gage thing? I would say to the third spot, kind of switch these. Have him fight someone out of his uh, his past, and then have him have this ridiculous battle for the fourth one to be probably the biggest, I'm assuming they're going for. You know, it, it just seemed out of place. But regardless, Hoovy coming in there, I believe he's like 45. He's had some issues, but he's one of the greatest high flyers and one of the most innovative luchadors of all time. One of Chris's old rivals, and it will be good since Chris is busting out some old school moves, uh, including a f- top rope Frankensteiner, you know, now. So it will be a fun match. I just think that they should have done the Nick Gage thing the next week. But that's just me. But uh, awesome episode of Dynamite, regardless. And uh, let's go over SmackDown. Cena came out. It is true. He sounds very similar every fucking time, but he's able to captivate the audience. And you like him. He had some back and forth with uh, Baron Corbin. And uh, that was funny stuff. I love having John Cena back. I'm not going to lie. I just really like John Cena. I think that he's really good on the mic. You believe him. He might say the same thing most times. He might have the five moves of doom or whatever that every fucking wrestler has, but he's still a lot of fun. And him and Roman should be an awesome match at SummerSlam. That Roman's totally going to win. Ray went against um, Ray Mysterio with Dominic, went against Jimmy Uso. Um, I thought that Dominic and uh, Jay Uso had a great match the week before. Believe Jay won, but uh, Ray won this one, pinning him, Jimmy, in about uh, seven minutes and thirty-eight seconds. Thought it was a good, good, uh, good thing. We had Bianca come out, and she was getting shit from both Carmella and Zelina Vega, and got help from the returning Sasha Banks, who later on would turn on her, and will probably no will be the person going against her at SummerSlam. Completely down for all of this. Glad they pulled it off like this. I thought it was great. And I think Sasha Banks is best when she's a heel. She was kind of borderline for her build with Bianca and WrestleMania. But this makes sense. And I like where where everything's at within the woman's title on that side of things, at least. Raw? I don't even fucking know. So, (coughs) sorry about that, guys. Oh, is is that it, basically? Oh, no. That's right. So we had the Roman Reigns Finn Balor contract signing that Adam Pierce and Sony Deville were in the ring. They were waiting for Finn Balor to come out. Um What exactly happened? I watched this Friday night, guys. You would think that I would remember this. I'm just trying to remember how Finn Balor got thrown out on accident. Um By the way, Roman killing it on the mic like always. Um, Baron Corbin, that's right. He came out. He was going to try to sign it. He knocked Balor out of the way, tossed him out of the ring. While that happened, Cena came out and threw out Corbin, then signed it. And officially, it will be the two of them uh, at SummerSlam. I I figure that Roman's going to win, and then Finn Balor will be the next feud with him. Because he's a babyface and he's great and he's got this now saying like I got fucked over by Baron fucking Corbin and I know that Baron Corbin and him will be having a match 
this Friday, and I'm assuming Corbin's going to get destroyed in that. Biggie Cesaro and Shinsuke with Rick Boogs. One against Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, and Apollo Crews with the Commander Aziz. So this is less than seven minutes. The baby faces won. They should have. They have all the over char- characters on their side. Reason not to. Edge and Seth Rollins had an awesome segment. I can't wait for the buildup with this. It was kind of confusing. The main part of the angle took place during the commercial break. They showed a long video recap and gave Rollins time to rant. Uh, Edge made his way to the ring as they went to commercial. Back from the break, Seth Rollins was standing in the ring. During the break, Rollins jumped Edge and gave him a vicious beatdown. He beat Edge up on the ramp and hit him with a camera. This entire angle aired during the break, so obviously I think that was an accident. Rollins told Edge what goes around comes around. He claimed to be a revolutionary and demanded they air his footage. It's almost like Seth is turning into Kanye West from a couple years ago. That's what I think. He's a genius. He likes fish sticks. Uh, They recapped the Edge and Rollins feud in more detail. Rollins ranted about being the Universal Champion, said if he can't be champion, neither can Edge. The fans broke into a We Want Becky chant, which was great. They announced that Roman Reigns and John Cena is official for SummerSlam, and there's no mention about Finn Balor or Baron Corbin. Later on, like I said, they would be announced to be in a match for this upcoming SmackDown. And then we had Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair going against Carmella and Zelina Vega. Ladies won, and of course, like I said, Sasha Banks, the boss, uh, you know, ended up turning on Bianca, beating the crap out of her, putting her in the bank statements, and uh, yeah, that's going to be our match. Great SmackDown, love Roman Reigns, think everything pretty much you're doing. Even the Baron Corbin stuff is becoming funny. All of it's great. Whatever they're doing, the two hours is awesome. Dynamite was great. NXT was was great. I don't remember what the fuck happened on Raw. Impact was great. There's so much stuff going on. And right now, it is actually 7.56. We record this, like I said, later. Uh, so it's Monday, and I'm about to watch Raw, and I'm kind of dreading it. It's not good for a wrestling program to make me dread watching it. But hopefully, they have enough Matt Riddle enough Kofi Kingston, and enough Charlotte Flair to make me not hate the thing 100%. At least the commentary got better. I will give that to the new guy. I forgot what his name is, but he's he's killing it. But uh, that's it, guys. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening every week. Sorry it's a little bit late, but technically, if we didn't do this today on Monday, we wouldn't have been able to review the information with Ric Flair, with Adam Cole. Uh, we were going to talk about the Bray Wyatt stuff, but all that's pretty crazy. Wrestling is a very different beast all of a sudden out of nowhere. It's going to be very fun, I would say, as a fan to see what happens. And, you know, get out there. Go go watch some wrestling live. Uh, I'm going to see Southern Honor Wrestling, who's provided guys like Jackson Dane and, and little guys like Austin Theory and other people to that level uh, from there. So I'm going to go watch their event this Friday and uh, watch Joe Black, who I'm a huge fan of. And, uh, yeah, just get out there, watch more wrestling. Our show is every week. Usually we record it on Saturdays, get it out by Sunday, Monday at the latest. This one obviously will be out a little bit later, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. You guys are listening to us if you're listening to it first. But listen to us every week. We usually do about a three-hour show. We break down wrestling. And all of our old listeners, thank you guys so much. Uh, you guys can find Wrestling Geeks Alliance on 
various uh, places. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance on Google, I would say. But we're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on SoundCloud, we're on all those devices. Just search Wrestling Geeks Alliance. So you guys have a great evening. Find me at Danals42 on Twitter and Danals on Facebook. Message me, we'll have a conversation. And you guys have a great night. Let the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you. And peace out.